have to say, ladies and gentlemen, in gender-neutral terms. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. First time ever in the 4,000 years I've been shaving is I split my lip with the razor. I've never. Wow. Were you bored or was it just because it was your 4,000th time? I figured I was done and I was like, eh. Just. One of those things where it felt like the Grand Canyon when I did it. Yeah. It was worse than it. It was worse than it felt. I mean, it was not as bad as it felt. Yeah. But still, I'm standing there bleeding in the shower going. What the? F- why? I feel like I'm in a scene from. I feel like I'm in a scene from Carrie. Yeah, because the water, as you know, it's like when yes. Mick Foley said, uh, "You mix it with your drool and make the blood look worse yeah. than it actually is." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he had to do that often. Um, no. With the water, it you know it looks like it's free flowing. It's just like I murdered it. It looked like Psycho. What's going on here? I'm standing in blood, dripping into the drain. Just. I, I don't know. The only time I did it worse, and I won't reveal where, uh, when I was at visiting and uh, visiting a, who is now my ex girlfriend, but still a good friend because it just it was just distance. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I'm in the shower and tidying up floorboards, and her mom asks if I'm done yet. It scares the shit out of me. Slip and just rip right on the front. I'll be out of it. Horrific scream. What happened? Nothing. Everything's fine. Uh, welcome to HIAC Talk Radio. Everybody heard that. Yep, yep, yep. You never know how we're going to be the, begin the show. I just like to start a little bit different after well produced uh, intro to just start talking. Uh, Craig Lagans, Dan Golachico. And uh, Derek will be joining us eventually. Um, so since we're waiting for Mr. Uh, McDonald, why don't we start this week with a little bit of history? Take it away, Prof. Just a little bit of history, uh, Dan. We're going to go back Um even though we have currently 28 hours worth of wrestling per week now, we're going to go back before wrestling was a um, a cable uh, entity and a uh, ratings juggernaut, as it were. Uh, we're going to talk about um, when wrestling was so popular that it would sell out arenas in all 50 states and where world champions from different federations could live in harmony and wrestle on the same card and even in some rare occasions wrestle each other. Um, it was back when, when athletes from other 
sports would get into the wrestling ring and it made national news. Um, and it was also this week in wrestling, we're going to talk about a couple of pairings that were historic in nature. We didn't know how historic they would be, uh, but we're going to find that out now. This, gentlemen, ladies, is the wrestling historian. We're going to go back. Uh, well, I wanted to I wanted to focus on uh, because it was all over uh, the news. Um, I was going to go back in the first week of July in wrestling history, but because it was the 25th anniversary and um, of the King of the Ring in Pittsburgh on June 28th. Oh, yeah. Uh, they brought back the uh, two men that participated in one of, if not the, well, it's definitely the most famous uh, yeah. cage match in WWE history. Uh, but one of the most famous ones of all time. But 25 years later, uh, happy 25th anniversary to uh, the Hell in a Cell match. That was not the main event of that King of the Ring uh, between Mick Foley and The Undertaker. Uh, and if it's it's available on YouTube, it's all it was all over Twitter. Um, but to see these two men uh, together and watching the match in its entirety and have them do live commentary as they're seeing it because uh, they both commented the first time they had they had seen it in many, many years, uh, and they were walking oh, wow. through it. Yeah, and... I don't remember that part of the video. I watched it as well, so... Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so it's the uh, the 25th anniversary of... Um, <laughs> of, oh, my God, he's broken in half. <laughs> of the, uh, the call by J.R., uh, and the, there's so many landmarks in that, uh, so many great memories. And I remember when I when um I finally did meet Mick Foley. This was in uh, God, 2003, 2004, when he was um, uh, he was on Radio Times, and I worked at the uh, studio where it was Radio Times is a local um NPR radio show here, folks, for our international listeners of HIC Talk Radio. And uh, Mick was a guest, and I had two of my. He had already had his second New York Times number one bestseller, so he signed them both. Uh, but one of the things he commented on uh, about his by this time it was already legendary. The match was about five, six years old at this time. But he said, and everyone who asks who wants to talk about that match, I'm convinced doesn't have a girlfriend. And I was proud to say. Mick, I've seen that match over a hundred times and I do have a girlfriend. So <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I said that he, as he was she signing. Hates it, but yeah, she can't stand it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, do have a girlfriend. But yeah, 25 I, you years. Know, I I think that might be mm -hmm. the first time I have watched that match from start to finish. You know, a little bit of editing. Yeah. Uh, while they were doing commentary, probably since it aired live. Mm -hmm. You know, I, not that, and I don't mean that in an, I didn't think it was as important as everybody else. I just, I see, I, you know, I've seen the bumps and I'm like, I, I don't need to see that again. I don't really, I haven't really ever gone back and rewatched a death match when I was into that. And yeah. Now, did you see, I'm good. Did, did you see it live? Did you watch it live? No, no. So uh, the way we used to do it mm -hmm. 
And my friend Mikey, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, and uh, his sister Jennifer lived right across the street. I would watch Nitro and tape it, or I would watch the WCW programming and tape it. He would watch the WWE programming and tape it. And the next day after school, after we were all done homework, we'd go over there and speed run, speed watch. <laughs> you know, we'd skip matches we didn't want to and uh, watch all the match, watch the whole thing of the matches we wanted to. And of course, that next day, like you, I can't, you gotta come over and watch that. You gotta see this match. You watched it from start to finish, so it was the night after. I watched the WC stuff, W stuff live. I'm pretty sure I was the only one in the neighborhood that did. Yeah, uh, I watched it with my my buddy Avish. We saw it live on pay per view. Um, we were we were looking forward to the um, uh, the Rock versus Ken Shamrock. Um, match because I, I forgot. Yeah, everyone forgets that. That like I said, it wasn't even the main event that night. Um, <laughs> it was a uh, uh, Kane versus uh Austin in the first blood match with with a with, run in by Mick by Foley. Mick, by Mick Foley, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Avish was a big. He was a UFC guy. He heard of Ken Shamrock before all of us did. So uh, he was interested in that. And this was when he was still Rocky, was still Rocky Maivia. Um, and he hadn't, uh, he hadn't turned yet. Uh, but so when we were watching that, you're like, oh, well, that, oh, the match is over after he got, he said, no, he's not going to throw them off. Because even when they were up there, I said, that'd be a shame if one of them fell, you know, by accident. And then we saw that, no, no. And we were like, no, 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 no. He's like, he's throwing them off. And he, yeah, um, we were both like dumbfounded. And um, yeah, we still text. We used to text about it every second. You remember where we were on this date? I will. Yeah. I will tell. I will share with you this, uh, Craig. Um, mm -hmm. Not that I haven't seen. Again, I've seen the every all the footage that everybody else has seen. But the watching it, yeah, from their perspective and watching it mostly has ninety eight percent unchanged. Uh -huh. Is still. I, I, he's gonna throw. I can't believe he's throwing him off. Oh, he did it a yeah. second time. Huh? Yeah. I guess I, I can't. And I can't believe he still walks. No, I mean either. I could believe. I couldn't believe he was still alive because when the chair, you know, when he got went through the the cage, and we know that was a, that was a shoot, um, because and he didn't get. All the way up, had Mick had left his feet. He kept one foot on the cage when the Undertaker chokeslammed him. Had Mick left his feet, he would have gone down head first. Um, so, as it were, he fell he back first. But the only thing he didn't take into account was the chair coming down with him that knocked out his tooth. But um, yeah, um, again, 20, 25 years later, still holds Unreal. up. Unreal, yeah. yeah, and also a cautionary tale for uh, and I'm looking at you, AEW fans that do table spots, uh, on the third match on free TV, um, so much so that no one even cares at the end of the show, and no one, everyone will forget it by next week. Make it count, make it mean something. I'll have more commentary about AEW table spots. Later on in this very podcast. 
I, I just want to be clear. We are yeah. not going to shit talk, Mr. Borden. I will not allow it. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I just want to do a shout out. Be nice to him, though. He's my boy. Um, I do want a, a nice shout out for Badash, who uh, came to the room and said, I showered for this. Thank you for the show. Thank you, Badash. Everybody knows that Ash is now clean. And yes, uh, we're all better and- for it. Yeah, not that it makes any difference at all, but I shaved my balls for this. So I, I, I did as well. I also showered for this. Yes, my hair looks all nice. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, my balls are always shaved. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Uh, Thank you. Nah, and we pass the savings on to you. Thank you. I pay, pass the hair savings on to you. <laughs> A July second in uh, this week in wrestling history. Um, uh, July second, nineteen ninety one. Um, one of the more transitory dates in wrestling history because of the ramifications uh, that uh, would affect the company going forward. July second, nineteen ninety one. Dan, the WCW WCW fires Ric Flair. <laughs> okay. He was set to defend the WCW Heavyweight Championship in eight days against Lex Luger at the Great American Bash. Um, And the contract renegotiations fell through. Uh, The WCW president at the time, Jim Hurd, wanted Flair to drop the belt. (laughs) Dickhead uh, wanted Flair to drop the belt to Luger. Um, And Flair initially balked but he said okay you're the boss but i want a new contract first and um uh, heard said no um and he he would rather flair wanted to drop the belt let me drop the belt to windham have windham drop the belt to luger heard said no again uh he changed his mind after first agreeing to let flair drop it to windham he changed his mind and they couldn't come to any Agreement on the uh, contract, so Ric Flair was fired. Um, problem was, Ric Flair was still the WCW heavyweight champion and was the owner, helped, had the belt, had the big gold belt. Yes, been, ladies and gentlemen, in those days, yes. you were still putting a deposit down on the belt because it was still run like the old commission. So when you were the world champion, was it was it twenty thousand? Twenty five thousand dollars. It it was a lot. Yeah, twenty five thousand yeah. dollars to hold the title and keep it. And then of course you got the deposit back when mm-hmm. you dropped the title. And uh, you know the cycle went on and on and on and on. And uh, Jim Hurd was like, uh, "I'm sending Doug Gillinger down to get the belt." <laughs> Fuck you! I I own it, dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yes, Ric Flair yeah, wanted to be the- champ then. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's gone, badass. But yeah, that used to be the way. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I told a story in in a previous wrestling historian where a man was awarded the NWA Heavyweight Championship because he was the only one that could come up with a thousand dollars deposit. <laughs> it was this is back in 1954. The deposit was a thousand dollars. And Everett Brown, the NWA champion at the time, didn't want to pay it. Uh, but another wrestler did. So he became NWA champion. No shit. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and awesome. so the so the the 
champ, the NWA champion, in this case, WCW, had a $25,000 deposit on the belt, and Flair wanted his deposit back. And um, Hurt just said, I, well, I need the belt. So, well, you know, I need the deposit. That's not happening. And like Dan said, he sent um, Doug Dillinger to treat the belt, and Flair told him to fuck off, and here we are. So that was that was July 2nd. And as we go further into this week's edition of Historian, we'll see uh, how that played out. Yes, yes, we will. Um, you want me to give you 25K when all you pay me is two hot dogs, soda, and possibly tetanus from your junkie ring? Well, to be fair, uh, Rick was uh, not getting paid in hot dogs in those days. No. God, he was, uh, he's getting paid a lot. Yeah, Ric Flair was the highest paid wrestler in WCW. Um, yeah. may, outside of Hogan, maybe the, the highest paid wrestler in, at least in the United States. Yeah. So he was making a pretty penny. So it's oh, just and go he, with a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. He was just making hot dogs and, uh, and a soda yes, for, yes, his, yes. Uh, for his, uh, his, but, no, uh, Ric Flair had been a loyal employee to the NWA for uh, at least 20 years at that point. You know, he started his career there and um, was always loyal to the NWA. He was uh, on the short list to be NWA champion. He, along with David Von Erich and Ted DiBiase, uh, and because they wanted to go younger. And uh, Flair was put over because of his loyal again because of his loyalty to the nwa and because even as a heel he was one of the top drawing heels in the nwa mainstay of the mid-atlantic uh they know he could draw money and he could work as a face or a heel and the nwa was uh rewarded for flair being champion uh he became one of the Biggest, we became the biggest drawing champion in the NWA in quite some time. Obviously, we go back to the 40s and 50s where the Luceses, uh were reigned supreme, but Ric Flair, as the NWA heavyweight champion, was uh, an incredibly sought after commodity, especially in the territory days when Ric Flair came to town. The, whatever territory was sold out. Texas and world class, Georgia, the Omni in Atlanta and Georgia. Uh, obviously in Texas, but in Missouri and St. Louis. And even when the NWA came north, when they came up here finally uh, to the Meadowlands, to the Philadelphia Civic Center, the Baltimore Arena, Flair was, Flair was money. So Ric Flair being fired from WCW, um, still a landmark day in, uh, in wrestling history. That's one I never thought would happen, but it did. But more Once, on that later. just one second. I just, yeah, badass. I got that comment. I'm going to save that for when Derek comes on because that is pertinent to the conversation we're going to have in a little bit. I just wanted to throw that out there so she didn't okay. think I was ignoring it. No, we're not, we're never ignoring you, badass. No, I, um, yeah, no, we can never <laughs> ignore you, badass. That's not happening. Mm -mm. Uh, staying on this date, July, <coughs> July 2nd, forgive me, <clears throat> July 2nd, 1994. Um, excuse me, an Sunshine. episode of Raw um, was uh, historic also on July 2nd, 1994. Uh, the commentary team of Raw uh, was put together uh, between uh, Jerry Lawler and a returning commentator, 
They would go on to be, in many people's opinion, the second greatest commentary team in WWE history. July 2nd, 1994, the Monday night edition of Raw was the first teaming of JR and the King. And uh, there were their matches that they called their partnership was unbelievable. Obviously, nothing will ever touch Gorilla and Bobby. Uh, but those two guys had a unique chemistry. Um, they had a through the through the attitude era. They started in and you know through the the Monday Night Wars. Uh, they remained loyal to the brand and loyal to each other. Uh, and they were the ones who were on the commentary for the Hell in the Cell match that we just celebrated twenty five years later. Oh, you've got to be dead, Jr. Great stuff. Um, if you forgive the uh, <laughs> the Jerry Lawler puppy years, uh, Jerry Lawler and uh, and Jim Ross uh, were some of the most enjoyable um, uh, and memorable um, commentator they that that they ever had. Unfortunately, they were the ones that had to break the news to a live audience about Owen Owen's death. Uh, Jerry Lawler was the first one in the ring when Owen fell. Ugh. And he he had to come back to the desk because they were going live. And so Jim Ross, as he painfully tells the story, had to tell a live audience what had just happened. And with absolutely no preparation at all. Um, so but those two, they got through it together. They got through it with each other. And JR said, if King wasn't there, I don't know. I probably would have walked off. But uh those two uh, had an indelible partnership. Uh, and just like Gorilla and Bobby, a great friendship. And uh, but their their partnership started July second, nineteen ninety four. Uh, they were also on hand, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> on the same date, July second, two thousand one. Um, that was the uh, the WCW invasion angle had taken place. Um, the contracts for most of the WCW talent. I, I'm so sorry, Craig. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to, to talk to Badash about this. Um, okay. We were talking about, I, I'm sorry, you'll understand when, when you and, and I know you can go off of it. Um, mm -hmm. She just said, Owen felt during the show. I thought it was like a run through early in the day. No. Um, and, and Craig will elaborate on. Craig and I are about to elaborate on this since, I mean, we didn't talk about it on the anniversary at all because, you know, he's dead and who wants to talk about that? No, this happened live on the fucking pay-per-view. This is the first time in my life I said, fuck Vince McMahon. That, this is years. Yeah. 99. Well, fuck you, Vince. What? Mm -hmm. what? The show must go on. So, but I, mean, I still don't have the words for it. Yeah. And I, it's the weirdest, most vivid dream I ever had or nightmare was the very next night when I went to sleep before I woke up, I had a dream again or a nightmare that I was him. Mm -hmm. I could even feel the wind in my face as the ring. The, I was getting closer to the ground in the ring and then I woke up right before hit. So what had happened is, is he, while the promo of the Blue Blazer, Owen Hart, is playing on the screen live to the crowd. Um, he's getting put in the vest and put in the safety harness and mm -hmm. over the rail. And he's just hanging in there waiting for the cue to go down. And he just, nobody knows. He sneezed. He jerked. He he barely moved. 
because they found out later that this device could be unlocked with the pressure of a feather. Literally. He barely moves, it releases, down he goes. Straight down. And it was right above the turnbuckle where I forget the referee, Craig, help me. This is where the professor comes in. The referee's landing, uh, leaning against the turnbuckle. What's his name? Mike, Mike Kyoto. It was Kyoto. And, yeah. and, and as Owen is falling to his eventual agonizing end, he has the wherewithal, Ash, to scream to Mike. Mike, look out. Mm-hmm. Mike looks up. Happened in a split second. Mike looks up, runs out of the way. Owen hits chest first on the top turnbuckle. Bounces mm-hmm. back into the center of the ring. And everybody there, including King, said that because he looked up just enough to see him fall, flop back and down into the ring. Mm-hmm. It, he, his instinct was to get up to for the body to yeah. go. Shuffle us yeah. off. Keep going. His head sits up, step down. That was it. And, and Jerry Lawler. Immediately, yeah. Jerry Lawler. Well, all the shit we talk on Jerry, which is absolutely earned because you find out he's kind of garbage as a guy. Um, Craig, go ahead. He was the first one that got up. And first one in the ring and tried to administer CPR to Owen. His mouth was full of blood. Uh, there was really nothing he could do. No, it's over. Um. And the stretchers came in. And keep in mind, the audience is shocked. Lots, some were cheering. Yeah, they thought this was part very, of the very, show. Very little. Uh, not a lot of people up in the cheap sh- seats saw it, but it was like half the crowd saw this guy fall. They just yes. didn't know it was Owen. No. Uh, he was in his full, full blue blazer costume. And uh, stretchers came in the ring uh, immediately and carted him out. Uh, uh, Remember the Godfather and D'Lo were watching as he's being carted. Godfather was one who was going to be wrestling him, so he's watching Owen be carted off right by him as he's waiting in Gorilla to go through the curtain. As far as the um, Owen's backstory, Owen's a uh, character, the Blue Blazer, was like this comedy of errors guy. He would always be, you know, messing up, and one of the things they would do was he would be lowered into the ring and he couldn't get the harness off or he'd be um, lowered to the ring. Yeah. And uh, in this particular sense, he was supposed to be lowered to the ring about five feet above the turn buckles and then just fall, you know, do a pratfall um, because the harness would not look. He (laughs) did, he did it. He that the day of the show, he rehearsed it twice without but he wasn't in full costume he was just doing it as owen no problem when he and this vince is a, did do it too and vince did it too to ensure its safety but he never did it with the costume on whether that caused it and we found out like like dan said the uh harness itself uh was snapped in two because it could not hold his weight or or anyone's weight um no, bullshit and that's harness. what happened. Sting, Sting did it fifty. Sting did it fifty times or more, probably more in in a three year time span, mm-hmm. and had a real deal. I, like Steve, I ain't fucking around with this. 
I want the best. I want to work the best. I ain't screwing around. And Vince, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Badass says, yeah, fuck Vince. If I'm town, I'm not going out. Refund the crowd, but Vince is demon spawn. Yeah. But, you know. And what makes it more, you know, sad and just uh, Owen was afraid of heights. That was not something he wanted to do. I always forget that fucking part. Yeah. Um, But Owen loves wrestling and he loved to perform. He loved being a heel. He loved getting heat. Um, And when the when the accident happened. Jerry Lawler had to go back to the. To the desk. Yeah. Yeah. They were going they were trying to save the guy. Yeah. They were going to go live. So after the package was shown on the this is on live on pay-per-view, after the audience had seen the blue blazer package and the the um the preview for the upcoming match, they go back live, and there's JR and King looking absolutely shocked. And JR said this in Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I've now got to tell a whole viewing audience what just happened and that Owen Hart is dead. I just witnessed a man fall to his death. Okay. And we're back in five, four, yeah. three. Um, but again, he said, I could, I, if King wasn't there, I would have walked out. Uh, I, let's just to add to the fuck Vincery. Mm-hmm. Um, this is after the Montreal screw job. So yeah. this is after Brett leaves. Cause fuck, fuck. Obviously this mm-hmm. is after bulldog and, um, and Jim Neidhart, Jim Neidhart right? are also granted their release and they go to WCW after Brett mm-hmm. and Vince refused absolutely utterly without one second thought of it refused to release Owen yeah he wanted out Owen wanted out Owen wanted it he's like I'll go home and be a firefighter mm-hmm. he was weren't they building the house weren't they building that house Owen and his wife. Oh, they had a yeah. house that was being built for him, him and his wife and his family. Mm-hmm. He's gonna go back and be a fire firefighter or a physical education teacher. I cannot remember. I'm fairly certain it was firefighter. Yeah. And he wanted out. Mm-hmm. He wanted out, and he would not. Be, he was not granted that. He wanted to leave. And in fact, there were several times that when Vince would, you know, Vince wasn't letting him out of the contract. Where he was, the, and this is, by the way, Padesh, this is why a lot of us, Craig and I included, are so fucking jaded with all of it. Because it's still something we love, but at the same time, we're like, God, there's such terrible shit around and in it and inside of it and all around it and dripping into it all the time. We look like dickheads on Twitter, but it's like, but I've been through this bullshit before. Mm-hmm. We're trying to have a good time here, but this is an educational, I'm using this as an educational moment. No, this this is all of this is fucked. There's no, there's not, there's not one good angle in this. Mm-mm. Um, so he wouldn't let him out of the contract, and there were several parts of the storyline because he was teaming at the time with Jeff Jarrett as Owen Hart, mm-hmm. where he wanted Deborah to like fondle him live and and create tension between Jeff and have that because there wasn't enough belts in that company at the time. No, um, have that be the feud between the two. And he said no to every single one. Not doing that. Not let my kids see it. Not let my wife see it. No, fuck you. Not doing it. So when it came to this bit, mm-hmm. which was the blue blazer falling all the way down and tripping like a jackass, making fun of the sting thing. Uh, he felt he couldn't say no. Yeah. 
And I fuck, I don't even know what else to say. The I yeah, I don't know. Oh, the blue blazer. The blue yeah. blazer was his original uh yeah, that was his character when he first entered the in wrestling. Yeah, he was yeah. a masked wrestler, and this was in Japan, mm-hmm. and this was after um um this was after Calgary Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. This was in Japan, and I think even in WCW, I could be wrong once or twice. Yeah, yeah that, uh, that he was a Blue Blazer, serious yeah. character. It was mm-hmm. not a joke. There was no comedy. He was a masked wrestler because he looked like those high flyers from Japan and Mexico. So mm-hmm. that's the gimmick he got. So not only did Vince go back to this old gimmick, but he turned it into a joke and the joke fucking killed him. But yeah, please keep defending Vince on Twitter, you dumb fucks. He never did anything wrong, but he did so much good for the fuck you. I was just saying that because Ash says I'm more shocked by the fans protect Vince and these other pieces of shit because they were great wrestlers. Yeah, that's great. They were no doubt. Hulk Hogan changed wrestling. Ric Flair was the one of the best, if not the best wrestlers that ever walked down the entrance ring, uh, ring entrance ring, entrance, entrance ramp, ramp, who happens to be a piece of fucking garbage as a band. Yeah. Sorry. I can acknowledge both. Yeah, both are true. Well, he's Schrodinger's cat. Both can be true. Fuck Jesus Christ. It's not hard to Vince McMahon yeah. will go down as the greatest wrestling promoter that ever walk the face of the earth he's also a piece of shit yes and yes i'll toot my own horn because i'm not a piece of shit in that way i'm a cunt that's different (laughs) yeah also um, take it back in the direction finish however you're going to finish and then do your thing (laughs) i was going to say there's um as far as the owen hart uh goes um there's so many fingers to point uh after Brett left because Owen had a natural feud with Shawn Michaels where uh, Owen was getting his revenge for Brett on Shawn. And those two could have had a series of matches going all the way to SummerSlam. Unreal. Guess who didn't want to do it? Um, Speaking of pieces of shit, um, Shawn Michaels um, is way part of that because um, I don't know what I still don't know what Shawn Michaels had over Vince or if just pieces of shit stick together. But Shawn Michaels is someone who was who was never disciplined, who was always led to run free range over everybody. Um, if he didn't like someone or he just wanted to give someone a hard time, he would like he did with He's the a rock dick to be a dick. That's it. Yeah. Um, and for no excuse. And uh in Triple H would follow suit. Triple H to his credit did apologize to all the people he treated like shit, but he treated them like shit because Sean did first. And he thought it was being cool. Um but Owen was someone that Sean didn't want to do any favors for. Um and Blame him. And, and putting uh, keeping him as Owen Hart, brother of Brett, who was wronged. By the company and by Shawn Michaels, you have the most over baby face you have there. And Owen, who was legitimately one of the top 10 wrestlers in the world at the time, he could, as great as Brett is, oh, he couldn't do half the stuff that Owen could do in the ring. Um, and I think, I think Owen, and I say this without reservation or, 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 um, um, 
hesitation was probably the best heart wrestler. Yeah. Well, I, 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 that's how I feel about Chavo. I love Eddie, but Chavo could do, you know, Chavo can work any style and can, can go for, you know, for an hour, heel or baby face. Okay. He was just incredible. Um, no, no, that's just but, incredible. He was Chavo. Yeah. But, uh, but, but of course, Sean didn't want to have, didn't want to do it. Didn't want to feud with Owen and Owen's directionless. Um, after the biggest thing that ever happened in wrestling at the time, after, Mo- after the Montreal screw job, a built-in feud with Owen and Sean is instant money. But because Sean doesn't want to do it, Owen is left flailing. And because Vince won't let him go to WCW to join his family or to appease an employee who is not happy, they just give him stupid gimmick after stupid gimmick. And like you said, Danny eventually killed him. killed him. Yeah. And, and I really think... Other than and and frankly, I'd be afraid to call Steve too. Other than the SummerSlam plier, SummerSlam pilot driver on Austin thing, mm-hmm. pretty sure Owen was the best person that ever rest that was ever in the business. Yeah, yeah. Stayed married, didn't fuck around, like. Mm-mm. And was it in a, that a com- generation? I mean, yeah. And it was a calming influence on other people. He was the one who was when. Sean and Triple H and those assholes were, were giving rock shit. It was Owen and Brett that we said, don't listen to that. You, you're fine. It was Owen who said to Rock, uh, we were out on the road. Did you call your wife? First thing he asked him when he came out, when he came, did you call your wife before you go to bed? Or if he was going out? Um, always a steady influence on the younger people because uh he knew what it was like and he didn't want those guys and him being married and having kids. And if he knows what the road is like, if you're married with kids. So he wanted to make sure the guys who were, who were just getting in, especially the ones that were getting a push like rock, um, kept her head on straight. And he was always good like that. Yeah. So unlike, un, unfortunately, and as much as I hate the pile driver thing with Austin and, Austin still had a little resentment towards Owen because he didn't, he called once to say he was sorry. But if Austin's like, man, I would have called him every day if that happened. Um, but I understand. I Stan Hansen was the same way. You know, I, I, he knows he fucked up. Um, he, you, you, you almost killed the golden goose. You, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, it's also the business and he just, you know, he, uh, he didn't apologize enough for Austin, but he, made peace um with that and especially well, after hasn't apologized enough for beating up on deborah so i think it's an even yeah so then yeah, six of one to that up. uh but to answer your question from, a, from 20 minutes ago badass yes it was live and they had to go on the air and talk about owen's death after it just happened so yeah uh, uh tragedy but jr and king uh they did it uh, unfortunately they had to call on that no, I was going to say, and and again, uh, just to reiterate, all, all the stupid shit that King has done as a wrestler and as a performer, and that includes commentary, couldn't complain. No. I mean, we've talked about King and Kaufman, and, and I will talk about it until I'm dead, uh, but him as a color commentator. You know, he kind of sucked. No, he's doing exactly what he was supposed to do, and he was pissing you off. That's exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I'm immature. Yes, that was the point. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I um, 
yeah, it, it, it King was great. Um, and and to double down on it, no, nobody will ever be as good as Monsoon and Brain. It's just not a thing that'll ever happen. Um, and I do want to say also, Badash now has two questions that we're going to insert into our AEW discussion later. Okay, um, saving those. So hang in there, Badash. We'll get to that soon. And thank you, Craig, for letting us do a sidetrack. Technically, it is part of the historian, <laughs> even though it's a month or two late. Please continue on your track. So. Okay. Well, I was saying how uh, Jr. and King had to uh, had to deliver the bat, had to call that tragedy. They had to call another tragedy in 2001 on the same day, July 2nd, 2001. They were the commentators for the Booker T versus Marcus Bagwell <laughs> match <laughs> that took place July 2nd, 2001. It's a wonderful segue, but I just need to correct you. They yeah. were the commentators for Raw, and fortunately for them, it was Scott Hudson and Arn Anderson. That's and because right. because Arn Anderson, even though he's a great promo, that's who I would have sent out for color commentary with Buff fucking Bagwell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, it counts. Uh, your 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 point is valid. They had to be there that night, and uh, Jr. also had to be the unfortunate and 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 all due respect to the late. Uh, great uh, former WCW tag team champion Judy Bagwell, uh, Buff Bagwell's legitimate mom. Um, one of the funniest ever things I've ever heard is after Buff is in WWE, after that match, which probably didn't help your case, Buff, uh, he wasn't feeling well. So mom called out, called out sick for him. And JR replied, and I'm paraphrasing, he didn't curse at her. He was very Southern gentleman with it, but he was very much like, I'm very sorry to hear that. I hope Marcus feels better. And this is the last time that you and I will ever be on the phone discussing your son's career or dates. And thank you. Have a nice day. Click. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Bro, you're so, like 38 at that point. Come on. And so basically to say that was uh, Buff Fagwell's first, last, and only match in the WWE. Oh, uh, I'm so ex- Dude, I'm so excited. The WCW logo looked great. The pirate, uh, and I was like, "Oh, great! It's it's Scott Hudson. That's fine. At least he can call a match. I don't have a problem with Scott. He's nothing special, but he's Scott Damn Hudson, and it's RNA. Sure, it'll be fine." The fuck is going on here? What is this? Oh God! And I've and I've and if I'm shit, Vince Head McMahon, I did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um. Watching that match, I would have canceled all my WCWF shows too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, never mind, Pally. This sucks. Yeah, with the guaranteed contract that the WCW talent signed after WCW was sold to Vince McMahon, or after Vince McMahon bought WCW, uh, the contracts didn't. He didn't inherit all the wrestlers. Well, he inherited all the wrestlers, but they. Uh, the contracts they signed meant they had was no compete, so they couldn't automatically just start wrestling for WCW. The ones who didn't, and he didn't have a whole lot of guys to choose from. Uh, the top ones were, of course, Booker T and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. They had the biggest cachet. Now, keep in mind, Chris Canyon was also available, uh, but um, and he would have made the match with Booker T a million times better. Um, within uh, Buff Bagwell, uh, but that did not happen. Uh, there was no Sting. There was no Goldberg. There was no Hall and Nash. There were no uh, ones that 
WWE fans, casual fans would know. So that's what they were stuck with. That's what they put on. Uh, Booker T somehow survived. Booker and T tried. Arrived. Booker T did as best as he could. Uh, and like, you know, and Booker T, because he's Booker T, found managed to uh, escape from that dribble um, and got himself over, which is what he's done his entire career in uh, every place he's wrestled. And uh, eventually would become a three-time WWE champion, but did not get off to a good start. Um, and finally, staying on this date, July 2nd, a lot happened. Uh, and to a guy we just talked about earlier, but happy belated birthday to Bret Hart. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Uh, uh, yeah. July 3rd, um, two big dates. July 3rd, 1991. Um at a show in the Brendan Burns Meadowlands Arena, a house show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Michael Capetta had the unenviable task of having to inform a WCW crowd that Ric Flair was no longer with the company and would not be at the show. He had to tell a, a house show, a, a crowd of at least 12,000 uh, and make the formal announcement that Ric Flair had been fired. Um, fans thought it was a work. They didn't believe it. Uh, there were chants of We Want Flair that rang throughout every single match that occurred that night. But that was the opening salvo. And again, there was no internet at the time. So when I heard about that happen from my other uh, fan uh, that I had con- I was in contact with, that they said that Flair was fired. And said he fired him there. He said no. They said he he no longer works with the company. So we were finding that I was getting bits and pieces of this. This was in 1991, July 3rd, 1991. On that same date, uh, July 3rd, 2006, coming back from an ECW show in Huntington, West Virginia, and they're on their way to a Raw taping right here. Beautiful Philadelphia. Um, a date that changed the course of another person's life because July 3rd, 2006, coming from an ECW show, going to a raw taping, the police pulled over Sabu and RVD. <laughs> yep. Uh, what so, else could this, you know? Yeah, and and we've gone over that. Um, RBD had that not happened would have had a longer reign as the WCW uh, or WWE champion, but twas not to be. But uh, his maybe his his demise uh, and his uh, falling out with the WWE occurred. There, that was the beginning of the uh, the end of the push of RBD. He, he would come sucked. back. Oh, not RBD, Sabu. Sorry, Sabu. Yeah, the other guy, RBD. Yeah, uh, RBD would come back and make some uh, appearances and later shows and get unbelievable pops um, because fans still loved him. But uh, his run was cut short due to that arrest that occurred July third, two thousand six. Now we're smoking weed on the streets and there's chaos. Chaos. Uh, which brings us to today in wrestling history. 
You know, July, you wouldn't think July 4th would be a, such a busy day in wrestling, but as we know now, Dan, uh, when it comes to holidays and professional wrestling, that's the other thing that we miss, you know, when I talk about the intro and, and wrestling story and about how great things are back in the day. Holidays were major uh, days for uh, professional wrestling. Uh, kids were off, so you can get everyone to uh, to attend a great show and all this shit happened on today in wrestling history, the 4th of July. Uh, 1974, uh, the team of Paul Jones and Bobby Bruggers would lose the Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Championship to Rip Hawk and Ric Flair. Young Ric Flair would win his first ever title of any kind on this date in 1974. Um, so that was the beginning of his loyalty to the NWA. Uh, so him leaving um, 17 years later was a big deal. On that same day, I said July 4th, 1974, Ric Flair won his first title in wrestling. July 4th, 1982, Ric Flair would be the NWA champion. Eight years later, he would be the NWA champion on 4th of July, 1982. And he would defend his NWA Heavyweight Championship in the Omni in Atlanta against the WWF Heavyweight Champion Bob Backlund. Ooh. In what would be the very last time there would be a Super Bowl of wrestling. It would be the last time a WWF Champion would wrestle an NWA Champion. Uh, that tradition had started with the now late great superstar Billy Graham. In 1978, he wrestled, um, January 25th, 1978, he wrestled the NWA champion Harley Race in my, in the Orange Bowl in Miami. They would go two out of three falls, would go an hour, no winner. And then when superstar Billy Graham lost the belt February 20th to Bob Backlund, 1978 Bob Backlund, February 22nd, a rematch had already been signed for the NW, for Harley Race, the NWA champion, to take on the WWF heavyweight champion they thought would be superstar Billy Graham. But because Bob Backlund had won the title two days earlier, Bob Backlund's first title defense of the WWF heavyweight championship would be against the NWA champion Harley Race. Um, after that, there were three more Super Bowl championship matches, the NWA versus the WWF. Harley Race would take on Bob Backlund in Madison Square Garden in New York. Um, Bob Backlund took on Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA title in Toronto. Uh, but the last time the NWA champion would take on the WWF champion would be July 4th, 1982. Bob Backlund versus Ric Flair. Went to a double countout. Got to five years later, Dan. On the 4th of July, 1987. In the, uh, again, back in the Omni in Atlanta. Uh, the Four Horsemen and their manager, James J. Dillon, would take on the team of the Road Warriors, Nikita Koloff, Dusty Rhodes, and their manager, Precious Paul Ellering, in a match called the War Games. The Match Beyond. This will be the first time ever that it occurred 4th of July today 
1987. Also, as debuts were happening, first time things happened, we also lost some folks. Uh, July 4th, 1988, uh, we would find out there would be the death of gorgeous Keith Franks. He was driving in a van with Pat and Mike the Kelly, Pat and Mike Kelly, and Mike the Alaskan York. Five people in the car. They swerved to avoid a deal, a deer, and four of them would die. Among those who died in that car accident was gorgeous Keith Franks, who you might know as Adrian Adonis. Oh, I Jesus. say that because tonight. As we're recording this, the Dark Side of the Ring episode will be about the great Adrian Adonis. Uh, but he died today, July 4th, 1988, in a tragic car accident. But Adrian Adonis, during his heyday, legitimately one of the greatest workers you will ever see. For a guy that was 300 pounds, the way he was built, the the stuff he could do, the way he could sell, the way he could move. You will never ever see a wrestler like Adrian Adonis again, uh, fans. If you're if you're already watching Dark Side of the Ring, you're already going to be watching tonight. But if you haven't, do yourself a favor. Don't look at adorable Adrian Adonis in the late '80s um, because they couldn't because Adrian Street said no. Uh, they decided to make what Vince would do a lot when he couldn't get the wrestler he really wanted. I I couldn't afford the Road Warriors, so I'll create Demolition. I couldn't get Adrian Street, so I'll create adorable Adrian Adonis. Um, pay no attention to that guy. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, Ad the, the New York City Adrian Adonis, the leather-clad Adrian Adonis. Um, his match with Bob Backlund is on YouTube. Please watch it um, just to see how that guy moves. Unbelievable talent um, who um, passed away uh, much too soon. Um a year earlier in that WrestleMania in 1987 um, would be the last time we saw Adrian Adonis when he lost a hair versus hair match, uh, hair versus retirement match, I should say, to um, Roddy Piper. And you see how long Piper stayed retired. But uh, the guy who shaved um, times. very badly, who tried to shave Adrian Adonis's hair, was Brutus Beefcake. Uh, cut to. You mean he's fourth. not really a barber? No, not really. Son of a and bitch. Also, in the, the person who gave them those shears was absolutely... I don't know why they couldn't test it out beforehand, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, if you remember that haircut, it was... But July 4th, 1990, Dan, that same day, was when Brutus Beefcake suffered a severe facial injuries from the parasailing accident. That happened on 4th of July. Never noticed. Uh, Person was parasailing and uh, their knees came right into Brutus Ed Leslie's face, uh, and he is, his nose was crushed, his jaws are wired shut, and eight steel plates, forty screws, and over a hundred staples were placed in his head to put his face back together. But that occurred Fourth of July, nineteen ninety. Uh. A year later, 4th of July, not good to a lot of people. Dr. George Saharian was found guilty on 12 counts. Four counts of selling steroids without medical purpose. Four counts of selling 
controlled substances, and four counts of selling steroids without medical purposes to Roddy Piper, Rick Martell, Dan Spivey, and others. Uh, Hulk Hogan was called to testify, but his subpoena was waived. Uh, but yeah, he was waving him like that. Uh, but the 4th of July, 1991, uh, Dr. George Saharian was found guilty on 12 counts of steroid distribution. And of course, Dan, who could forget where you were 30 years ago today on the deck of the USS Intrepid where many athletes from other sports Football players, hockey players, one baseball player, one weightlifter tried with all their might to stick their hand between the legs of Yokozuna to try to slam him. All tried, all failed, except for one. And then the Lex Express came. <laughs> Coming in by helicopter. Um, and some of the people that tried to slam Yokozuna, Keith Sims, who was a Miami Dolphin defensive end, um, Bill Fralick from the uh, Detroit Lions, uh, Peter Tagliente from the Pittsburgh Penguins tried to slam him. <laughs> Sorry. Both Steiners couldn't do it. Randy Savage couldn't do it. Former WWF heavyweight champion who nine years earlier was wrestling Ric Flair in the Super Bowl, Bob Backlund couldn't do it. But coming in by helicopter and pleading with him was his manager at the time, Bobby Heenan. But Lex Luger, wearing a red, white, and blue shirt, stars and striped shirt, grabbed the microphone and said, you're what's wrong with America. And let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with America. It's people like you, Yokozuna, and I'm going to prove it. So with the hip toss heard around the world, Lex Luger slammed the Yokozuna. And the Lex Express was off and running. And the crowd went. Mm. And the crowd went mild. Mm. Lex. And what started the biggest single push in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm saying, and this is in 1991. Yeah, I'm sorry, 1993. Yeah. Yeah. This is 30 years ago. And the biggest single push in the of any wrestler in this push more than Hogan, more than Brett, more than Sean ever was, and it did not result in a championship. Nope. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but it started on this day, Fourth of July, thirty years ago. Thirty years ago today, Lex Luger turned face in the WWF. Then for nothing. Thing, four, five, six, uh, and that later, he was on Nitro. <laughs> and two years later, he was on Nitro, uh, <laughs> causing another stir. Uh, so we can't give it to Lex. You can give it to Lex Luger when he appeared, you know, on television. It was a big deal. And you but can, uh, you thirty can, years and you ago, can, and you can be assured that when he showed up, Dan didn't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And thirty years ago, we didn't know where Dan was, probably asleep. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. Bitch, I know exactly where I was. I wasn't watching that. <laughs> I wasn't watching Raw. Uh, um, uh, Badass says, I can forget where I was 30 years ago today. Well, that's because you're not 30. Because you were, you were in an embryo. You were an embryo. You were barely an embryo. Yeah. How dare you? Um, The two questions that 
Miss Ashton Han. I'm mm-hmm. waiting till September when it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I don't like Juneteenth. It confuses me. There's June 13th, 14th, 15th. It's not my best joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he has. Yeah, Derek has two kids. Derek, answer. I'm here to congratulate you on the sex. <laughs> I mean, I think he's good. But yeah, yeah. congratulations on banging. Um, I did it again. Shoot me. So, since we're on the subject, or since we were on the subject of Owen and EC, ECW, AEW, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to add one comment from Ash. I thought that was very funny. Is AEW's biggest mistake is it thinks it's WCW. And the problem was is and the problem with that is is not even they are dumb as good, and that's a problem <laughs> because you know. I guess only time will tell of that. But uh, she also asked honest question. How do you feel about WWE and now AEW making money off Owen's name and likeness still to this day? Um, I do know this about the AEW thing. The one good <clears throat> thing that's coming from that. Uh, he's in the new video game. Okay. They have a tournament named after him. Nice. Tournament's taking place in Calgary on July 15th. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. It was created by AEW with Owen Hart's wife and the Owen Hart Foundation. Mm. So it is directly connected to and related to that foundation and Owen's family. I'm behind it 100%. Uh, There's an old clip of you and I discussing uh, the internet. When it was announced that this, I think this was back when it was announced. Mm -hmm. Uh, AEW also has Owen Hart figures. I gotta get one. Um, it was also announced that when when AEW and the Owen Hart Foundation made a deal, I remember you and I discussing uh, angry folks and mostly dudes on the internet cursing and insulting and attacking the very name of Martha Hart, Owen Hart's widow. Mm-hmm. And my point being, go fuck yourself. Uh, that's his wife. Bitch, you don't get a say in any of this. Yeah. Well, I don't like what she's doing. Well, I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> that's great for you. I'm very great. happy for you. Uh, go shut up. <laughs> that's too bad. Um, I quite frankly, and I can't be hypocritical about this. I, I, when the Owen Hart DVD came out, the Blu-ray came out. When WWE put it out, fucking bought it because I wanted those matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, attack Vicky instead. There you go. Uh, yeah, I wanted those matches. I it was selfishly for me. I wanted to see Owen Hart matches again, not going through um, a streaming menu. I, I just wanted that DVD. Yeah. Uh, I kind of regret it because, you know, bad feelings and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So uh, as long as it's being done in the right way, which is. Martha's way and Martha's way is the way because I don't know if you know this again internet uh, wrestling fans that's his fucking wife yeah uh, that's the way it is now Vicky Guerrero on the hand is a piece of shit and a liar and uh, go after her have fun with that uh, but no to answer your question very cool uh, they also make you win a hundred 
or is it 99 exhibition matches in AEW Fight Forever before you play as him? So they make wow. you work for it. So it's okay. just like those old games, which is why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but she'll be, I'll be streaming a quick play of WWE 2K23 and AEW Fight Forever after this podcast. Um, you're, I, 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 do you have anything to add about the AEW uh, on Heart situation? And it's not really something we, it's fine. No, um, the only thing I, I would say about the Owen Hart tournament, um, obviously with the blessing of um, Owen's widow and stuff, um, I just don't want to see any garbage matches. And my problem with it last year was when they were going to the tables and all that other stuff, stuff that Owen never did. If you're going into Owen, if you're, yeah, exactly. And if you're going to an Owen Hart doing anything as a tribute to Owen Hart, do it with the wrestle the kind of matches that Owen did. Wrestle Ring of Honor matches where it's just where you there's a code, there's sportsmanship, there's no there's no objects, there's no chairs, there's no tables, there's no there's no blood. There's just let's tell a story in the ring and see who's better, and have the the person who wins it be someone that Owen would want to. Doesn't have to be someone that Owen would like, but someone that. Um, resembles what Owen stood for in the ring, even if it's a heel. Owen was a great heel. Owen loved to get heat. Owen loved to rile people up. He didn't care if he made fun of them. He was there. What he, what he could, what he could do in the ring and do outside of the ring, is what made Owen great. So the people in the matches, the wrestlers don't have to typify that, but the matches should. My problem with it, lad. Th- thankfully, it's a, the, the two. Um, Owen Hart tournament matches I've seen, they've kept them in the ring. There's no garbage stuff going on. So thankfully they listened to that. But that's my that was my only beef with last year's tournament that they had there was matches that Owen would have nothing to do with. Oh God, Craig, the Mick Foley tribute tournament is gonna be wild then if you do matches Mick did. Yeah, someone's gonna die. Yeah, someone's gonna die in that. That's why there is no <laughs> Mick Foley tournament. Hey, you wanna do the Mick Foley? No. Well, no. Not really. Now, if okay, I was gonna say if you want to do a Ricky Steamboat tournament, that'd well, be awesome. Well, just a bunch of concussions. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, is that too much? <laughs> yeah, it was too much. Uh, speaking of table spots, let's get this over with because I feel my feelings are gonna be hurt here. <laughs> um, and it's funny because when I watch it, I'm like, oh, Craig's gonna hate this shit, but I'm here for it. Whatever. <laughs> Um, Sting did a first talk about spots that you never th- thought you'd see. Uh, Sting did a goddamn spot I never thought of. it was. He 60 64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 64. Went on top of a ladder, jumped off the ladder that's in the center of the ring to ringside on top of uh, two tables. And uh, man, he, I mean, he hit it kind of. You kind of see it on his uh on his face afterwards that he was not thrilled <laughs> like how he landed. So there's that, but no, man, I, I, I know you didn't like it because of who it is, but I mean, because of who and why, but I thought it was all right. I think, I think he had fun is what I'm trying to say. And that's fine with me, I guess. And you better pray he had fun and you better pray he had a time of his life because if he has any brains left, 
he will tell who's ever in charge of AEW. I'm never doing that shit again. (laughs) That was the stupidest fucking thing Uh, I've ever seen. I would see if Sting was 24. Why are you doing this? For what? And there's so many things that, that piss me off about this spot. Like so many things that piss me off about any AEW table spot. Why? And it's it's bad enough the no names are doing it. The people that the the guys that are never get that think the way to get over is to do something stupid like that. That again, the fans aren't going to remember by the end of the night, and it's not they're not even going to make a call back to it the next week. Have someone go through a table like that? That's that's a pay per view spot. That's a premium spot. That's how you build something going. Anyone went through a table? In Memphis, fucking Florida. Someone got a pile driver on the concrete floor. You can get three months out of that. That's money. That's how you build. Here is just that. That's a commercial spot. And you're doing with a 60 fucking four year old man who doesn't need to do that shit. That's one. Two, because Sting doesn't do table spots because he never has. Again, not even when he was 24, when his body could take it, he wasn't going through tables. You're doing it like that, and you're doing it all wrong. Because he landed on the chin. He could have knocked his fucking teeth out. He also landed right on his fucking knees. And let me remind you, he's 64. Exactly. And the last point, which I shouldn't have to make, because it's fucking stupid in the first place, because it's been pointed out a hundred times. The referee holding the ladder for the wrestlers. If you're going to do it, okay, especially if you're going to do it for a 64-year-old, they were holding it on the wrong side, Dan. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) They were holding it on the side that he wasn't on. Hold it on the side that he is on. Not to say that he wouldn't have. Alan had to step in and do it because of that. Not to say that he wouldn't have landed wrong, but because of where the, the referees were holding the ladder, it didn't give him any support or lift. So those that's it. The whole Ash thing was said, Ash says, text Jeff Hardy, ask him if he'd do it. If he says no, there you go. She also yeah. said, still pulled off the landing better than Logan Paul. I skipped that. I didn't watch that. I, I don't give a fuck. That was dangerous give- too, but yeah. Go ahead. But well, I, I was going to say, I was going to say, just to be the... Fucking, I, 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 I cannot overstate how much I don't give a fuck about Logan Paul. I don't care that he's younger than Sting. Whatever counterpoint you have, Craig, with all due respect, fuck Logan Paul on that fucking business. He's a piece of shit. Get him away from me. He's a great athlete. Whatever. I, whatever. Dan, I agree with everything you said, but you see, but with that spot with Ricochet that almost killed them both. Yeah. Now they have a match at SummerSlam just based on that. Because of they go they went through a table. Then I have something less that's than, how you one build last it. match to watch. Hey, but but um sure, that's I how you yeah. the Lucha Brothers do that every fucking match. Who cares? No one cares about the Lucha Brothers. They go through a table every match. If everyone's doing it, why should it mean anything? Even when Sting does it, it, me- it meant something because they almost killed themselves. 
If he landed it perfectly, would we be talking about it now? We'd be talking about it only because he's 64, but because everyone in AEW does it, doesn't mean shit. I'm glad your idol is still here, Dan. But like I said, if he had any brains, balls, or sense, he would go to who was ever in charge of AEW and say, that was my last time doing that shit. It makes no sense. What if... He was the one that said, yeah, I want to do that. At least once. Huh? Okay, that was your so one time. Just playing devil's advocate. But Dan, even if it was his idea, I'd still question his sense because wh- <laughs> what, are you hoping to, what are you hoping to gain from this? What What's the end game? You going through I a mean, table, how does that? They're doing it for views and ratings. I mean, I, uh, not that, that's, I am not, by the way, I'm mm-hmm. not justifying why to be doing it. I'm just saying that is why they're doing it. They're competing and trying to get views on it. And uh, exactly. It's you got let Darby do it. Let the nonce sex pest do it. Kill himself. Gives a shit. Here's an idea. Since the table shit hasn't generated any ratings or viewers, try telling stories in the ring. Try sticking with somebody who the fans like or get over and then feature that person on TV every week. Instead of burying your tag team champions, it's weird you. when the Young Bucks were, were were the tag team champions, or even when Swerve and Keith Lee were tag team champions, they're on TV every week. Now the yeah. best damn tag team is your AEW tag team champions, and they're in the witness um, protection program. Can't find them on TV anywhere. Um, <laughs> just just occurred to me what you said. <laughs> yeah, they're nowhere. Oh man, yeah. Does, uh, do you have this- any? Go ahead. No, no. The thing we're gonna say, finish right again. No, I was gonna say, does Badass have any other questions or anything else we missed? No, no, no. I wanted to save those because they were pertinent to the other side of the you know of, of our show, which is today instead of yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. there's they're sacrificing my bodies for you, and then there's tempting fate for ratings. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm. I, it, it, I thought about bringing this up, then I thought maybe I should, but I'm going to bring it up now that you said this. Uh, in 2000, Craig, Craig knows. You've probably seen yes. it. And Badass, you want a good laugh? Laugh. We'll look this up. Uh, Great American Bash 2000. Great American Bash 2000? Yeah. Uh, Human Torch Match, Sting versus Vampiro. Uh, the, it was supposed to be taking the Inferno match that Kane and Undertaker and others had done in WWF at the time, taking it one step further and lighting the, it's not a body part, but you had to light your entire opponent on fire, which uh, happened to happen at the, happened to happen at the top of the Turner Tron, as they called it, the top Mm. of the stage. And mysteriously, when both Vampiro and Sting got up there, the house lights went dark and there was this lightning effect because at one point they switch out sting with a fake sting. And the only problem is the difference between this thing and the fake sting, which was a stunt man is the stunt man was about 50 pounds heavier and bald. And the other problem is, is once he vampiro legitimately lights this stunt man on fire and his whole body's on fire and he's painted and looks just like sting, except being 50 pounds heavier and bald with a wig on, he takes a tumble as he's on fire down from the stage to the down from the top of the Tron to the stage below. And it will look great. Except for 
his wig fell off. Oh, and did I mention he was 50 pounds heavier than Sting? And bald. Yeah. And and instead of cutting away from it live on pay-per-view, instead of cutting away from it, the camera holds there. Before Kevin Dunn's shaky cam bullshit television that you watch today where there's 30 cuts in 10 seconds and you can't just hold the camera on one move that's happening or one angle, one shot. Just working around the uh, emergency worker, the EMTs, watching this guy, obviously not Sting, being constantly shot <laughs> with fire extinguisher to block the fact that he's 50 pounds heavier than Sting and bald. So even in 2000, they swapped Sting out in the middle of a match to take the fall. Cut to 23 years later, old man Steve is jumping poorly <laughs> from a ladder to a two tables set up on. I don't even remember anymore. Who was he set up on? I don't remember. I don't remember See, that's, what, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Didn't uh, even make yeah. any dent at I all. I don't care. Yeah, me as the old guy watching wrestling was like, hey, Sting. In the year two. Hold on. Hold on, badass. In the year 2000. In the year yeah. 2000. All together now. Uh, <laughs> well, something that did impress me this week. Yes. Uh, uh, which is what I was focusing on after Money in the Bank. Other than Damian Priest, my boy, my, my boy, mm-hmm. winning money in the bank. Yes, I called that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, was well, I called that. That's what I want. And I you wanted Damian Priest to win. Yes, I, and I didn't think they'd give it to him. And uh, usually, I don't get what I want. I did this time. Um, Shannon Bla- Baszler. Yeah. Mercifully, thank you. Turning on Rhonda, I don't care. I forgot she was there, Rousey. Oh, and also, um, she roasted. Yeah, roasted. Boom, roasted. Amazing. Okay, so yeah, there's fireworks being set off around Derek. So he's trying to result. Yeah, dude, I totally understand. Um. So yeah, uh, understood. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Derek is at home playing father, making sure that nobody scares his child or his dog, uh, which I understand. I don't even hear fireworks around right now, mostly because it's still daytime. Uh, yeah. uh yes. So uh, not only did she turn on Rhonda mercifully, thank you, breaking that up. Um, she got a hell of a promo the very next day. Yeah. Shockingly to me, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay, nice. I mean, there was no Rhonda's been doing this for two, three years now, yeah, still <laughs> on the mic. And I think Derek or you, or even maybe Chris said this that Shannon Baszler is everything the fans and the writers want Rhonda Rousey to be, she's already there. Yeah. And she proved it on the mic. Not only did she roast the shit out of Rhonda, uh, Rhonda's going home after this program, and uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Bye. That promo was amazing. 
the old fashioned work shoot. Cheers, Shayna. Can't wait. I, for one, was disappointed because um, I was no, I wasn't disappointed by the Ronda Shayna thing. Um, I I loved how it just came out of nowhere um, because that took everyone off guard. Um, I and I loved her um, her explanation at the end. Uh, I mean, I mean, I loved her her roast of Ronda. I loved her mic work. I, it's the most she's spoken since she's been in the WWE. Um, and it, it give her the mic every week uh, if she's going to be like this and start their program off right. And this is going to be Ronda's swan song. Um, she still didn't explain why she did it in the middle of the match, um, but. I, I liked it because it came out of nowhere and everyone liked it. I was, as much as I was, uh, if this happened to Damian Priest two years ago, I would have been more excited. Um, it's it's still a great win because it gives Judgment Day some oomph because now the, after they've been trying to push them as the preeminent heel group in WWE when they had no belts and no cachet, because <laughs> yeah. I thought put, uh, trading... Uh, Finn Balor for Edge was a huge mistake because um, Finn is not a heel. Um, I th- now they're red hot. Um, Rhea is red hot. Uh, Rhea and Dom are money. Um, and who knew about Dom? Right, the biggest he's heel. Gone the- from he just has a job, but he just has a job because of his dad. But he can actually work too. Fucking Dom's great. I love it. Yeah, Dom could always work in the is work in the ring. It's the mic work. See, and now the fans are are now actively, you know, they're not going to let him speak, which is great because he wasn't great on the mic. But yeah, now yeah, it's, it's working out perfect because Rhea can. So yes, uh, because I thought, well, you get Rhea away from Dom because Rhea, she's the star of the whole thing. She's the one that she's your female rock. She could be the she's the biggest star, could be the biggest star on the company outside of. WWE, uh, but yes, but now keeping them together uh, is is perfect. Um, but I said all that to say um, I'm I was still because the fans wanted it and I wanted it and I've been a fan of this guy since he was in TNA if you can believe that. But that's L A Knight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nah, nah. Wasn't his it wasn't his night. Um, but, but still the pops he's getting is mm. yeah, still the pops he's getting, and as long as they continue, because I if he didn't get money, he didn't get real, he didn't get money in the bank. Um there's still a Royal Rumble he could win. Um, but he needs a program that he to for him to come out on top and uh keep that momentum going. Because he right now he's a future, and they're saying that the window is is short on him because of his age. Damian Priest is three months older than him, so if that's the reason why you're not you you want to strike now because of his age, um, do it. But it it, it if it's an age is a factor of LA Knight, it shouldn't be the same. It should be the same factor for Damian Priest. And I will say this, uh, I'm happy to see Drew McIntyre back. Um, and I know he's in a program now with, with Walter or Gunther. But if Drew is going to be the one to take it off him, at least do it after he breaks the honky-tonky man's record. <laughs> Please. 
please. Yes. Please. L.A. Rock. Yeah, that was another great point I was bringing up on uh, Gunther. <laughs> what? Um, on Twitter oh, was, uh, oh, God, where is the tweet? Let me find that. I, I thought it was interesting that uh, someone said this something this stupid. Um, I've seen people bitch they don't like L.A. Knight because he's like a combination of The Rock, Steve Austin. It's like saying Reese's suck because they're mixing chocolate and peanut butter. Not that L.A. Knight is on Reese's level. Let's not get crazy. What? Everything in wrestling. And I mean this in in a good way. I don't mean this in everything in wrestling. Everything in wrestling. This is exactly what I wrote in response. Everything in wrestling is ripoff or borrowed of from something. I mean this in a good way. It's just a reboot of something older made new again. It's been the same cycle for 100 years, folks. I just got into it with somebody on Facebook on one of our wrestling chats. Um, They said, what about uh, how does anyone feel about superstar Billy Graham? And I said the same thing I've been saying since I've known you. Dan, the superstar is the most influential wrestler of his generation. Uh, All the stuff that he did that was blatantly ripped off by Hogan and Ventura and Austin Idol and Big Papa Pump. And then somebody writes back, wrong. Superstar ripped off everything from Gorgeous George and Muhammad Ali. I was like, oh my God, this motherfucker. First of all, Eddie Heal with blonde hair was a ripoff of Gorgeous George. Okay, so that's that's number one. And any wrestler that could ever spit on the mic got something from Ali. So, Superstar, but no one looked, but neither Gorgeous George nor Muhammad Ali had the body of Superstar Billy Graham. So it's, as much as he was influenced by those guys, none of those guys were influenced by Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, on the on the other hand, influenced everybody that came after him. Um, so he wasn't he wasn't doing Gorgeous George, and he wasn't trying to sound like Muhammad Ali. If he did, it's only because he watched Gorgeous George or he heard Muhammad Ali. Um, and there's a difference between being influenced by and blatantly ripping off like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, and Austin Idol did. And like you said, Dan, everyone's a derivative of if he's a combination of Rock and Austin, he said it that when he was a kid, when he was breaking into wrestling, those were the two biggest guys. So why not? How many people were influenced by by Flair? Hey, Shawn Michaels, one of the guys we just talked about, did everything that Flair did. Tried to do everything Flair did. So, yeah, um, uh, that's the that's the worst criticism. He's trying to be. He's a combination of Austin and Rock. I think the worst guys to be compared to. Yeah, really. That's the thing. I'm. Like, I, I know a lot of. I, I know there's artists and, and other actors like. No, no. I'm my own thing. Don't compare me to the other thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, please compare me to the Rock and Steve. Oh shut. Yeah. I'm just like them. Well, God damn it! I retired. Uh, and like Ash tweeted, like I, she goes, if I'm debuting tomorrow, everything you see will be my version of what I've all, I've seen other wrestlers do. My moves, my persona, everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, Billy Joel just did an interview when he was starting out. One of the uh, concert promoters, uh, one of the clubs he wanted to play. Um, he said, man, you, you, you sound like Flat Fats Domino. He said, thank you. What do you think I've been trying to do? Was that an insult? Yeah. <laughs> you sound like, thank you. 
Yes. Ain't you, that like, a shame? Like, oh, I, I okay, I'll take sounds yeah. like Fats Domino for a thousand, like, please. Like, yeah, that was it. Was like, yeah, that was the whole idea. <laughs> Craig, uh, you got anything else? Uh, wrestling this week. Uh, no, outside of ch- uh, checking out, as we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday, check out Dark Side of the Ring. If you've already seen the previous three weeks, uh, with Junkyard Dog, excellent. Um, Maniac, Matt Bourne, um, another great uh, episode. Please check these out. I was afraid that they were running out of characters, running out of stories to tell. Um, and they're, I think they've covered all the scandals. Now they're just looking at the, um, the actual, uh, individuals, wrestlers himself. The Graham Brothers episode, absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, focusing on Eddie and uh, Jerry and Eddie Graham and the horrible legacy they have with suicide and, and mental health and alcoholism. Um, Mike Graham's daughter was the star of it, and uh, it was called Breaking the Cycle uh, because her father, Mike, her grandfather, Eddie, and I didn't know this, Eddie's, Eddie Graham's father also uh, committed suicide. Um, yeah, they, just a, yeah, yeah, just a really, really, really great episode. But again, I you know I love the ar- archival footage, but telling the stories of these guys, um, of the Grand Brothers and their influence. You know, we talked about being influenced by Gorgeous George. Um, both the Grand Brothers were were not born blonde, but because of the success of Gorgeous George, they were, and because of the territories that that. They wrestled in Dr. Jerry wrestled in New York and Eddie started wrestling in Texas as the original Rip Rogers. And somebody just said out of the blue, man, you know, you look like Jerry Graham. Anyone ever tell you that? <laughs> and because enough people told him that and because there was no way you could check if he wasn't, he just said he was. So Eddie Graham was born, the, the brother of Dr. Jerry Graham, and they became the most popular money making tag team of the late 50s, early 60s. And Vince McMahon's, Vince McMahon Jr.'s favorite wrestlers of all time. I, I you know what? That will get me. That episode is going to get is that episode is what's going to get me back into Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, uh, I need to catch up just so I can see the Grams. Um, see the Grams and the Junkyard Dog episode, which was really good, uh, really informative. They have uh, his they daughter have... involved. The Junkyard Dog's daughter. Yeah. They mentioned her and she's in, in, but she, you know, she passed away, right? No, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, they no, mentioned that. I didn't that know that. Fuck. The, or or the... I forgot. I probably forgot. Shit. Yeah. I, um. I, and honestly, Dan, I had forgotten too. No, when I was watching yeah. it, I had forgotten too because they mentioned his daughter quite a bit because they mentioned the blind, uh, when the blinding of Junkyard yeah. Dog, um, and the what got fans legitimately sending him money. $500 a week because they thought he was legitimately blind because Junkyard Dog gave a promo that his baby girl was going to be born and I can hold her, but I'll never see her. And that just sent fans into a frenzy and, you know, brought a gun to kill the Freebirds. Um, and they talked about that night um, where the Freebirds, um, where a fan had a gun on the uh, Freebirds and junk right over Junkyard Dog's shoulder. Uh, and J- dog was at ringside, uh, blind, quote unquote. But he saw the guy put on his head. I don't worry, dog. I got him. And dog was left with a, you know, like the old Jack Benny joke: your money or your life. 
I'm thinking, I'm thinking, um, do I grab this guy and prove I'm not blind? Is it just blowing the whole angle or do I let him shoot one or all three of the free birds? But uh, luckily cops showed up and they, they grabbed him. But that's one of the many, many stories. I, and I didn't know about dogs, um, why he left um, for the WWF or his, uh, his rampant drug use. That happened again before he got to the WWF. Um, but just great stuff. And I'm looking forward to tonight's episode about Adrian Adonis. But yes, please catch up, Dan. Uh, yeah, no, I got to. I'm catching up on, uh, I've been catching up on YouTube videos. Uh, um, <laughs> Kelly and I caught up on Ted Lasso. Oh, excellent. Got that done. Good. Got that done. She was uh, she was waiting for me. I was the one dragging my feet on that because uh, okay. one of the things I like, kind of don't want it to end. Yeah, I know. So I don't really want to watch it. So we took our time with it. And I just want to say, and I don't get to get her. I'm not going to try her middle, her last name, but Hannah Waddingham. Waddingham. Yes. My God, she's so cute. I love that woman so yes. much. I, I will watch. Too. I will watch anything she is in. And I had no idea she was shame. Yes. Shame. shame. Kel, Kel has yeah. Kel was the one. Oh, she's because I'm like, well, that's the one reference I get from that show. Cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, fuck face Godfrey uh, 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 choking, uh, getting poisoned to death. It's just wonderful. Thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'll explain why I started cracking up in the middle of the end of your sentence after we're off the air. But I'm going to do it live because this is some funny fucking shit. This is how often I check my YouTube channel uh, comments. This is great. Um. But uh, yes, speaking of, if you want to see edited content, uh, the latest video is my AEW Fight Forever uh, sucks, in which is if you don't understand, you dumb fucks who are leaving me nasty comments, I edit it to look like the fool on purpose. Me getting mad over a wrestling video game based on 30 year old video game controls is the joke. It's why I put sound effects on it. <laughs> if you watched it, instead of just coming to make a stupid comment nobody cares about, you would, you oh, he's laughing at how stupid he reacted. Funny enough, though, Droid, it's the only negative comment I've gotten. Like, the uh, another guy came in and said, why, I don't understand why you don't like the game. And we had a, Craig, we had a conversation about it. Imagine that a conversation on the internet these days. Hmm. No cursing, none of that bullshit. Just we chatted about. Now, unfortunately, that guy is catching shit from somebody else that's cursing him out, and that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, please check out. Um, of course, he's blocked himself for being tagged on photos on YouTube, on Twitter. Pussy. Um. YouTube.com slash Dan Lane three. Um Craig, did you do um follow me at Craig Lagange yet? No, I did not. Oh, please do your I'm sorry. Do your That's okay. you you have an agenda. I'm I was trying to follow it. My agenda is us, not me. <laughs> uh you can follow us or follow, and when I say us, I mean me on Craig Lagange at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Craig Lagange, C R A I G L I Double G E O N S. Follow me on Twitter at Dan. Le Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok at Danlaw83. 
for the podcast. <laughs> Ash is going to bring the Ash, the angry lesbian, as she was called last week. Uh, she's the one with the agenda. Craig, not 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 my gotcha. Uh, I sit corrected. No name on Twitter said so. She said, yes, you sit corrected. Uh, uh, talk radio.com or search that in your podcast app on your favorite device and subscribe, follow or listen to both and or both. HIAC Talk Radio Network um, to the haters, Cope, and everybody else. Keep it on the paper.